1: grief continues to give me opportunities to learn and grow. It teaches me to live with a heart full of gratitude and to learn to love others and myself more. It allows me to live my purpose, which is to help you on your journey. Do you realize that you change every day of your life? Each thought, experience, choice, and response creates change in you. In other words, You will either evolve or devolve in your daily existence. You have the opportunity to change for your good. How? By making conscious choices to enhance your body, mind, and soul. Realize you are always in a state of becoming what you think. So what are you thinking? Even in the midst of difficult times and grief, there is always something beautiful to be found, says Robin. Valeria interviews Robin Chodak, the author of 10 Grief Lessons from Golf. Robin left her job after 20 years as a computer software systems analyst following the suicide of her husband, Steve, in 2005. In the midst of grief, she started a spiritual journey of self-discovery, which ultimately led to her transformation. After the suicide, she started to write. At first, it was personal letters to Steve, It helped her stay connected, and at the same time, it was therapeutic. She also began to write stories about grief, which are published in various grief and suicide journals. In 2017, she published Be Gentle With Me, I'm Grieving, which won a Book Excellence Award, and also published Moving to Excellence, A Pathway to Transformation After Grief. Grief continued to enter Robin's life. On September 28, 2019, she lost her beloved husband, Dr. Gerald Chodek, unexpectedly in their home. It was another sudden death, which caused grief trauma. It led her to publish a third book that she had written three years prior regarding inner peace, entitled Three Must Have Connections for Inner Peace. In 2021, Robin launched her new online program that teaches and certifies you to become a grief coach. Robin's expertise is in coaching clients, speaking, writing books, and teaching through online grief courses. Robin is a trained facilitator for AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the founder of Facebook Suicide Recovery, owner of Robin Chodak Coaching and Grief Healing, LLC, certified grief life spiritual coach, certified mindfulness meditation teacher international speaker, certified Reiki practitioner, certified master NLP practitioner, author of four books and creator of online courses available on UDEMY.com. Meet Robin at RobinChodak.com. Here's the interview with Robin Chodak.
0: In your own words, who is Robin Shodak?
2: Hi, Valeria. I, I love that question, and I think that I would answer that differently at different times in my life. I think that we answer it really based on our experience and where we are. So if you asked, asked a young person, they would probably say, oh, I'm a student or If now they're in a profession, they would say, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, or based on relationship, you would identify with a spouse or I'm a wife or I'm a mother. It's basically we kind of answer that question on how we identify. And I would say now in my life, because I lost my husband, I would say I'm a widow, but that is not really how I identify I you know I don't like to put too many labels on us, so what I like to say is i'm I'm a woman because that is what I am, but I'm in this space now where I'm just really exploring, I'm creating a new identity after the loss of my husband, and I'm really in that path of wanting to learn as much as I can and evolve. And I don't know if that's because as you get older, you feel like you just want to just learn as much as you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, time is getting short, or it's because of all the experiences. But I guess for me, I would say Robin Chodick is someone who is, is evolving and learning.
0: My other question, I probably have asked you before, but I have to ask it again. <laughs> what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience as of today, as of now?
2: Mm. And that's another question. It, it's interesting. Uh, probably all of your questions are so, they're, they're evolving and changing. And based on one's experience, you can answer it differently. and. And right now, I really believe that the, the human experience is to embrace a being in this physical realm. We are physical beings, and we have been gifted this to be, become physical. We, we come from the non-physical. This is what I believe. I believe that we come from the non-physical, and we we are incarnate into the physical and therefore we have this ability to explore everything through our senses. And I feel that we have just become numb to them. We don't really appreciate the physicality of of, of the sounds and the sights and the smells and the tastes and the touch. And we just kind of operate our lives on autopilot until something kind of comes along and shakes us up. But, you know, I went for a walk this morning and I'm just listening to the sound of the, of the lake and the waves. And then you hear, hear the rustle of the trees and you hear the birds and, and I think, "Wow, you know, I really didn't live this way. I mean, I almost feel like I have this new this new discovery of 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 living in this sensual way, like with these senses that we have been gifted with. We just take them for granted. So we don't even think a lot about the things we eat. I mean, think about all the tastes, right? And the smells and 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 so I, I feel that this is part of our reality. This is the physicality. This is what we're blessed with. This is why we're physical. So we work with these senses. And so I believe that, you know, we can enjoy them to the fullest, number one. And then number two, I also believe that we do, we do come here in the physical to, to learn and to really return to where we came from, and we came from, I believe, a non-physical, which I call a love energy, and so we come into this world as pure love, but what happens to us? We, we, we get so conditioned that we kind of lose that identity, so I think that our, our life's journey is always returning back to that love okay and so we're we're learning how to do that and then the other thing i do believe we do at, at a certain point at some time is we're we we get the ability to help other people and to serve. so that's a lot but you know this is what we we're, we're gifted with we're we're gifted in this physicality for a very short time and so i think that you know if we can wake up and make the most of it
0: and i often wonder How do we balance that—the physicality, enjoying and appreciating the physical aspect of being a human being—and also honoring the mind, the ability of the mind to think, to reflect, to even to have this conversation now? We are using the mind. Yeah, I wonder what the balance is. It's something that we, from your experience, we just kind of learn to make peace with this coming and going (laughs) physical and the non-physical it's just that that dance per se (laughs)
2: well yeah it is a dance and and you did hit it on the head because you know as we speak about grief and mental illness that the derives in in the mind okay everything does come from the mind and and the thoughts and so you're absolutely right you you have to be able to you know become aware of those thoughts and then balance that because those thoughts will take over and then affect the physical. So yes, it is (laughs) it is it is is a it's a journey. And this is this is why we have mental health you know people, people that and, and healers in the universe, because they're trying to get everybody, I believe, back to that state of wholeness, which is that existence of living in love where we're really originally from that love energy and so when we're we, we deviate from that throughout our life because of experiences that we have okay i mean we start out as as innocent pure little beings and then you know you're conditioned. it's like oh you should this and you should that and this can't happen and and everything that was beautiful now is turned into something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and so That's it's true. our journey to kind of come back all the time like wait a minute what is what you know this is this is not where going to be and so it is it's a lot of it is it's the mental attitude and it's our thoughts and I do talk a lot about thoughts in my book and in other places yeah we can discuss
0: question I wanted to ask is um, how did you come to these understandings about life it sounds very spiritual and you are a spiritual coach as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about that.
2: Yes, actually, yeah, I had my own personal transformation, although I do think that we get opportunities through like I said before, you know, we're born, we're into this, this energy of love, but then we move beyond it. And I do believe experiences come into our lives to, to take us back to that. Okay, those are even sometimes the tragedies, because we really want to go back to that 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 peace okay that wholeness, and we're always vacillating between the two because we have experiences that move us away, and tragedy and trauma will do that to us and and my I had a lot of tragedies happen to me. I lost my sister, she died when she was twenty, she had cancer at sixteen, and I watched that. And then when my husband he also had cancer, and I had to live with that with him for five years, and living with cancer is, is, is you're you're almost living in a continual grief. Because you're always wondering, are are they going to make it? Are they going to survive? And and I always had that fear that he wouldn't, because my sister didn't. But we had so much love between us, and and I just always thought that you know everything would be okay with him. And he did survive the cancer, which was a miracle in itself. They thought he would be dead in three years. In five years, he was still alive, but he chose to end his life in a very tragic way. And I was the one to find him. And that put me into such a horrific state as many others that if They are listening to this, and they lost someone by suicide. They know what I am referring to. But what I can say is that at that moment, you know, you think that you can't go on with your life. You just, you lose all hope. But then someone, something comes along, and you see a little glimmer of that hope. And it's like, wow. And it's like something to just nudge you. And so I had that happen to me. And then I I began to realize that, wow, this is more about me now. It's about what am I going to do and the choices I'm going to make. And so in my state of just craziness, I just remember walking on the beach. And I wrote about this in one of my books because it was very pivotal And I just, my mind was in such torment. I couldn't understand why my husband did this. I mean, he loved me. He loved his family. He loved God. It just didn't make any sense to me. And so I said to God, I said, you just please just take everything out of my head. I feel like my head and my thoughts, I feel like I'm going to explode and I can't think anymore. And when I said that, it's like, wow, I felt like I really had a lobotomy because I said I want new thoughts to come in. And so that was the beginning. And I really, you know, little by little, like my beliefs that I had, I found that I had so many stuck beliefs in my life. And and then things just would come to me and, and things would change. And, and I just had this you know, it's it's a word we use a lot and maybe some people don't like it, but I feel like I was transformed. But now in the medical field, I mean, this is not a new term, but this is something I experienced is called PTG, which is post-traumatic growth. And, mm-hmm. and, and we know this exists. I mean, there's two psychologists from North Carolina back in the 1990s Calhoun and Tedeschi they were the ones that that really coined the term and and they did studies and they they found that wow people that were in the war and saw all the horrific things for some reason they were able to transform as well and so they said well how how could they do that you know what what do they do And, and they found, they, they would look at things and they, they had, there's like a marker to, if you want to say that you have post-traumatic growth, they, there's five indicators. And one of them is, um, you know, are you, are you able to carry on relationships again? Do you have hope in your life? Um, there, there, there's five things and it's like, yes, are you, do you have an appreciation for life? Do you believe that maybe there's some new possibilities for you? You had this tragic event, but in your mind, do you believe that you can have something new come in? Um, Is there a personal strength that you have? Do you have a spiritual uh, strength? So these are the indicators, and those are all the things that I had happen to me. So I said, yes, yes, I have had some PTG, (laughs) (laughs) and and I certainly have.
0: I heard the term, but in a different way. I think I was, I interviewed somebody and we talked about reaching the limit of suffering. And then it seems like they call it a threshold. At that point, something happens to the brain. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like uh, the option to grow, to mm-hmm. go beyond whatever we are going through or giving up. And some of us give up, which we know it's not really, losing the body is not. I mean, we call it death, but there's no ending to it. So there's no ending anyway. It's just life doing this beautiful work of renewal. It's just, it's incredible to me to witness that, like to listen to you. And yeah, I can feel how life is just uh, the most amazing thing. And you're right. A lot of times we don't appreciate, we don't see it, how magical it is, how miraculous it is.
2: Well, and I think that when, when, when you lose someone tragically and you have these traumatic experiences, having that belief system, I know for myself and I know from some of my clients when you have that belief that yes, this is not the end there this is like you said renewal, I believe that I believe that we constantly uh, the energy will always exist uh, and and i I believe that we actually have choice to come and incarnate again. Maybe people don't believe that, but that's what mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you you have a choice, you know. Um, and so having that belief system, it's very comforting. And and I also believe very strongly in the non physical realm, and I believe that we can have connections in that realm. And. I, so therefore, even though I lost, you know, my sister and my two husbands, I still know that they're very near and they're, they're around if I need them and they show up. I mean, we just have to ask and they will show up. I've had it happen to me many times.
0: (laughs) Yes, um, I absolutely have had the experience, too. Very mm-hmm. subtle, though. It's not something that, and it seems to be very personal, too, Robin.
2: Yes. Right?
0: Not everyone has the experience.
2: <laughs> right, right. And, and it, it, is, it is subtle. Well, and I think one of the reasons, and I, don't, I, I wrote it in, I don't know what book I wrote it in. I've written, I write books and blogs. But I, say, I think the reason is you really do have to ask. Like I have to say, give me a sign. And you're absolutely right. It has to be personal. Let's say that you, you know, you and uh, somebody and their partner, they had a thing for like, maybe he always brought her a purple balloon. This I'm just making it up. It's just coming to me. Okay. And maybe every anniversary, the lady got a purple balloon. Well, now maybe she was thinking of her deceased husband and she would say, oh, you know, so and so I would just love right now to know that you're okay know that you're near can I see a purple balloon and guess Mm. what she would walk into the store Mm. and maybe she wouldn't see one she might see uh, five purple balloons (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it is it's very personal because it's your connection with your deceased loved one and you have to ask so you know if you're not asking you're not gonna really see it or get it
0: that is true I love questions yeah yeah I guess there's a reason why I do this. (laughs) The questions, it's just very powerful. I agree, asking questions. We we get to hear what we need to hear, to see what we need to see Yeah, individually, personally. When it comes to those, um, you call them stuck beliefs, those old patterns that we hold. And it really feels heavy. I remember having these belief systems too. It's just they're so challenging to get rid of, although I don't want to say that. So, the work you do with your clients, how is that done? Do you replace? Is that a replacement of belief systems? Do you stop, end them, remove them altogether, or it's something different that happens—a transformation, as you said, and an insight. Yeah. Well,
2: it depends. Okay, you have to you have to determine first of all what you know if they're in a stuck state. Number one, and then you determine what that belief is. So. We have a lot of beliefs, but some of our, our, they're serving us very well. We we like beliefs because they're just, they're resonating with our value system and, you know, it's what's keeping us going. But if you start to examine some of these beliefs you may have, then you say, oh, wow, this belief is no longer serving me anymore. And it's like, okay, well, maybe... This belief is keeping me in this stuck state now, not allowing me to move forward. So, you know, this is, it's an old, old one, but it's a simple one. So, you know, a lot of times people, well, even some cultures still do when someone dies, they, they think you're supposed to, you know, wear black and just born for a certain period of time and follow all these rules and follow all these traditions. Well, maybe your soul or your spirit isn't resonating with that. Maybe you just want to go out and just run and take a vacation or just experience something new. Who knows what it is? But the point is, is that belief is keeping you in a stuck state. You know, people have so many beliefs about, about relationships, about money and and these belief systems you know they're handed down to us okay and they're often hard to break until you really start to examine them and 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 we have to become aware okay that's the first step and that's why people like you know when they get to these places and they say wow i need help and so they will reach out they'll they'll go to a therapist they'll go to a coach like myself and that is the first step because you know, we're just not meant to do things alone. That's why we have people, you know, that are willing and ready to serve, because they want to help you move out of that state and to live your best life. Because it's very, it's very sad to me to to see people that are just not living in a happy way because maybe their belief says like they think, okay, my husband died. I should never be happy again. Where does that come from? What's making you think that? You know, I mean, that's a question. You you have to begin to ask yourself these questions. So I one of the things I I I like to say, I don't know if I wrote about it in my book, but I talk about because I'm such a firm believer in our thoughts and our minds and how they affect our physiology and our mental abilities. So I say we all need to become thought detectives. So you need to take captive every thought. And then you, you ask yourself the question, well, what am, I, what am I thinking right now? Like if you're having something happen in your life, you say, well, what am I thinking? And then, you, then the next question you ask yourself is, what is this thought causing me to do or to feel? And then the next question is, what am I saying to myself and to others? So if we, you know, begin to do this with our thoughts, this is what helps us move into a forward direction and not stay stuck. But, you know, if we're not, if no one ever told you this or you're not wired to become like this, then you don't know how to do it.
0: <laughs> so it is a practice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Robin. I see that I love that, that being a thought detective that's beautifully said is that actually a technique that you use you have a program
2: that I don't I don't know I don't think I've ever heard it anywhere yeah I think me too <laughs> something that I came up with and I spoke about it before and I've written about it because it's kind of the way I work with my clients I mean it's and I just labeled it that because it is like you are really you need to detect you know it all starts with that thought and let's let's examine that. And what is it doing to me? You know, what, how, because the thought is changing your physiology as well. You know, it, it might cause you to, you know, I, I think I give an example about, you know, eating. So, you know, you're sad, you're sitting on the couch and you're just like, oh, maybe if I eat that ice cream, I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. You know, true. <laughs> and, then, and then, but you're saying, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to put on the weight, but you know, I want to eat the ice cream and you do it anyway. So, you know, I I help people reframe because I I don't believe in, you know, limiting everything. But, you know, we have techniques. I I, I always give my clients, you know, ways to think about it. Okay, so you can eat the ice cream, but you know what? Put it in a, you create a little ice cream bowl. You find a nice, cute, (laughs) Mm fraction bowl that you like. It's pretty and you go and you put two scoops in there, and then, then that's your, turn, you know, and be satisfied with that. And therefore, you don't have to eat the whole carton <laughs> yeah. the next day. Yeah, it made me think about
0: some of the times that I think about eating some things I used to, and then I would feel guilt, even the thought of it, of eating that and then gaining weight, whatever. And then I stopped actually, and that really helped a lot. No judgments. Mm-hmm. When I feel like eating something, just eat it anyway, and nothing happens. So I don't gain weight. I don't feel bad. So it's how powerful the thoughts are. So yes. Whatever we believe in, will end up happening, in a way.
2: Yes. Yes. And it's mindful. It's it's a mind. You're now eating. See, see, it, it comes down to being mindful every so. Now you're eating in a mindful way. Yeah. That, right. Right. That makes the difference.
0: Yeah, it feels much better. It's not even a sense of control. It's almost like a sense of not having the need to eat Mm -hmm. that much. Like I feel the more I do the things I love to do in life, like having these conversations, write the books I write, and meeting people and doing all, anything that has to do with love, with spirituality, healing, I notice that there's no more cravings. They stop. They just end in a way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting to see too, to witness. Mm -hmm. The more we live... Spiritually guided, as you said, even off record too, the more free we become and open right. to life. And then everything becomes so much lighter. I think that's yeah. what it is too.
2: Yes. Well, and the more that you put, you know, constraints on people, it's like the more that they want them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So so you're so liberated. True. You know, you're liberating yeah. so you know, Oh, I could eat this ice cream. You know, you could eat the whole thing. But yeah. when it, you mindful because you say, oh, the next day you don't feel good so now the next time you're like you have to think about well how am i going to feel and, and there's been a lot of studies done about this and why they look at people that have, have you know they're not overweight and they eat just anything they want and that is because of mind is eating and it's you you take off the reins start putting constraints on people it makes them want to do it more just like yeah. you said <laughs> yeah. you, you want <laughs> not going to, you know, you're going to feel okay because you're not going to do anything that's going to be outrageous.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a component of trust, it seems to me. That's what uh, it comes to me. I trust that eating that ice cream. I don't eat ice cream that often, but uh, let's see. What do I like? Oh, cheesecake. Gosh, mm. there's a cheesecake that I absolutely love. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible, fresh, like beautiful, mm-hmm. this place. So I trust that feeling that's guiding me to have the cheesecake. is just a feeling in the moment and it will mm-hmm. pass. So I kind of satiate that feeling and then mm-hmm. I trust that I, it, will, it won't keep asking me to do the same thing over and over again. And that, sure enough, it happens. So mm-hmm. there's a component of trust, too. With me, it has been the case. So mm-hmm. it has been interesting.
2: Sure. You know, having a little bit, unless you had some health reasons, having some wouldn't, it's not going to be, you know, a bad thing if you just have it in moderation. It'll just, you know, satisfy that, right? Yeah, actually I have the whole thing. I have to oh. I have to tell you <laughs> the truth. Uh, oh. When I
0: have it, sometimes I have it with my husband and we, we share, but sometimes oh. I just have the whole piece. Oh, the Yeah, it feels really good. And a whole cheesecake. Yeah. Oh, no. Gosh, no. Not the whole cheesecake. No, that would be too much. It feels like, it seems like it would be too much. I mean, it would get anyone sick. But yeah, peace. Right. The entire piece. And a lot of times I don't have the whole piece.
2: Well, you know, and that's an interesting, this is an interesting conversation, Valeria, because (laughs) with clients that I work with after grief experiences, you know, many times they Mm. Do these, you know, self-sabotaging things, what I call, and maybe that would be, you know, eating a whole cheesecake, feeling terrible. Maybe they're even, they, they have allergies, but they'll do it anyway. So what I always say, you know what? You have to give yourself grace. Let this be a lesson for you. You might have been sick all night and it's it's okay. You know what? You've learned from it. Don't beat yourself up about it, Okay. And that's the key. And, and this is, and, and, you know, this is a process. This is, you know, going through grief and, you know, existing in daily life, you know. It, it's, that's right. And we learn and we grow. Yeah, I love that you keep going back
0: to the central focus, grief, because that's something that I don't have experience with, losing people around me. But I know that grief can also be losing anything. Yeah. I think I have lost some things that I really was dear to me. And that caused a lot of um, almost like uh, addictive patterns too before. So that makes so much sense. So Robin, you have written so many books, beautiful books, insightful books. And I have interviewed you before about one of them, but I wanted to um, focus for a moment on the book that you have written recently, 10 Grief Lessons from Golf. That really surprised me. I mean, I read the title because that sounds so different. But knowing your work a little bit from before. So talk to me about the inspiration and the purpose of writing a book about grief and
2: golf. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I, I, always, I, I always like to joke when I tell people, I say, yeah, I said, because playing golf gives me a lot of grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like if, it. <laughs> a golfer, someone that golfs, they all connect and resonate with that because they all know how difficult the game is. Okay. So I, I like to preface it with that, but, but the truth is that after my, my husband died, Dr. Chodak, he was an amazing scratch golfer. We used to golf together and I really didn't take the, the game too seriously and then after he died i made it one of my goals to make you know improve my game and so as i was out there on the golf course i realized that wow there are just so many lessons here and and, and you know not even for grief just in life in general because it's such a mind game golf i mean I have done many other sports, many other things in my life from, you know, tennis to tango dancing, which is very, very difficult, very difficult and in different things. And I said, wow, why is this golf so hard? (laughs) Well, well, you know, golf is something you, Uh, you know, dancing you, well, we can do that alone as well, but you know, you do that with a partner and you learn together and it's a beautiful thing and you know you have a lot of people but golf you can just play by yourself so it's just a game with you and that little ball and that little ball it seems to just want to control you <laughs> doesn't do what you want <laughs> <laughs> yes and so I said well this is perfect it really is It it is it, it really can apply to, to grief and and you know, about how we are processing and how are we moving forward. And so it just, it's like all of my other books. I I don't know how to say it, Valeria. They just, they just, they just come. They just, you know, Uh, it's just amazing how spirit works like that. I just, I'll be in a meditation and I just, I I, I say hear when I, I, I say I hear from spirit, but it's these these thoughts, they just come It's just these ideas, these thoughts, they come from nowhere. Like I said to myself, okay, no, write a book about God. No, it's just crazy. They yeah. just come, you know, and, and you, and when you live, you know, when you live in this, this way, and I know, you know, this, you learn to listen. You just listen because you know that you're being guided by spirit. So it doesn't matter what the outcome is. You just do it. Or I just do it. So I thought, you yeah, know, I'm writing this book, and you know, I hope that you know people will read it and and benefit from it. That's always my goal. I mean, my goal in writing and coaching and teaching. It's yeah, I want people to 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 have hope and see that hey, you don't have to stay in those stuck states. You facilitate
0: grief coaching and grief coach certification which is very, very interesting for those who want to help others the way you do with this technique. So talk to me about how it works. Your website's the best way to go, the best place to go, or can we find you in different places on the internet?
2: Yeah, I think the, the website is always the easiest because you can get to you know, my Instagram and my Twitter and you can see my books and everything out there. But yes, so if you go to my website, the first page that will pop up is it'll say, do you want to become a certified grief coach? And that was something else that was on my heart for many, many years. And so basically what I have done is I accumulated all of the information from all of my own training and certifications and working with clients and everything that I have known. And I've compiled all of this with the help of some others. And I created a program and it's, it's, it's a little unique, which I like that makes it appealing than others, because you can go on the internet and get certified in anything. And you just Mm -hmm. load the modules, you take the test and voila, you know, you can you become a minister like that. Oh, yes. You get a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And so so mine is a little different in the respect that I actually will work with, they'll actually work with me. I give them sessions along with all of the modules and the training because I want to make sure if my company called Grief Healing LLC is going to certify them, I want them I want to know that they know how to coach. And so I will do like a mock coach session with them so they can be on their way to do what I do and to coach people and to help them through grief. And so that just launched. I'm very excited about it. That just launched a few, like less than six months, months ago. So and I do believe that there is definitely a need for for that because there's, like you said, there's so many people, you know, they're grieving and they don't know what to do and how to process it. Yeah. It's a wonderful work. Do you also do one-on-one? You still do that? Yes, I do. I do. I, again, that's uh you know, I allow, okay. I, this is a word I love, you know, you, I live in this space and I wear a bracelet on my wrist. Um, and, and I'll, I'll give my friend the credit my my beautiful friend ellen she gave this bracelet it says allow and 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 what it means is you're not you know not resisting things that are coming into your realm or are you forcing things to you're just allowing you're allowing was meant to come into your life and so to answer your question i kind of You know, I shut off a lot of my feeds to get new clients because I've been doing other things, but I still, some will come through and I believe that those are the ones, you know, sometimes I'll even, I'll even put out an email saying, oh, I'm, I can take a client now, you know, I'm open. and, And if they come, because, you know, I do believe in that law of attraction, so, so yes, to answer, I do still st- take clients and I do it all, you know, over the phone. So I don't have an in, I, I, they come from all over, I mean, all over the country.
0: I love the bracelet, yeah, allow, and the way you explained that with the meaning of that, just not resisting to what's happening now, what's in, happening in literally in this moment. Uh-huh. I agree. And I have learned to also allow resistance to be. That was a big one because I was trying to allow everything, but then sometimes resistance would come. And then, and then I was, I was fighting resistance. It's almost like resisting resistance. So now I'm allowing also resistance to be, if it comes in the moment, if it's trying to take over. So it has been, yeah, a wonderful practice. And how interesting to see that it is a practice. I used to think that we would come to that state of mind, of being, and stay there as a destination. But it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> we always have something <laughs> happening. It's so interesting.
2: Yes, yes. It's not, yeah, we don't stay in that vacillating, you know, in between, always moving, you know, from, from we, I, I always say we, we're always looking to be healed because you know, we we have things that we wake up and we might we might have, you know, we might have a negative thought or we might have a physical ailment ailment. So right, right. now we are looking to become whole again. Right. And then at moments which I love and I say, oh, thank you, God, I really am grateful that when I wake up and I don't have an ache or pain, <laughs> yeah, and I feel whole in that moment, and I'm happy, and I feel whole in that moment, right? But then we, but then something happens, and we don't feel whole, so we're always moving in and out of it.
0: <laughs> so true, yeah. That's uh, wonderful to hear. That's a beautiful and powerful message for everyone listening. Because we do believe sometimes, going back to belief systems, that there is a destination in that we can arrive at and stay at forever. But that's the journey, isn't it, Robin? It's um, right. the learning, the, this uh, going forward, kind of evolving. Just something came to me about identity. You mentioned that earlier when I asked that first question. So that's something that I, I really kind of love inquiring and I have done a lot of work on inquiring who am I. And I never found really that one thing that defines who this is that I sometimes don't even have a name. I was given a name, but there's no name to it. And I see that it's just parts, this wholeness that we speak of, it's just made up out of parts. Mm -hmm. It's not really one unit. It's a unit with lots of parts and we keep uncovering them. That's what it feels like.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, I think we, we we're so multifaceted and we're very, you know, we're so complex. And yeah. think, about, think yeah. about how it is hard to define. It's, 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 it's almost like how do you define God in inevitable, right? I mean, you can't. And, and, and I believe we, we come from that God energy and we're always evolving and changing. So it, it, it makes sense what you're saying, how, how would we be defined? It's, we're ever changing.
0: (laughs) Yes. Right. It really resonates true at this point, right? Really? There's something about that. Your book has 10 reasons why playing the game of golf is like experiencing grief and the lessons that to be learned. So it's beautifully written also in a sense of practicality because Mm -hmm. there's so many, so many suggestions in tips, in tools, that is really a book to go back to it. I have to go back myself. So there's so many things that I, so many notes I wrote here. I love the uh, chapter four, There is No Improvement. That's the title. You have a poem by Mary Elizabeth Fry. Oh, yes. I love that poem.
2: Yes, that is. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. So I'm wondering if you could read that. Do you have that in front
2: of you, Robin? Let me. Yes, I could read that. Let me Thank you. That before, it is a beautiful poem, and I did like that chapter as well because we do think that we can't improve, but there is always, always room for improvement in our life. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. That is so powerful. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. right. It makes me cry every
2: time I hear it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, and, it is. And, and you know, this is, this is the hardest challenge of the grief experience because we so much connect in the physical realm with, with other souls, okay? What we're... This is this is what we're gifted with. This is our existence, the physical existence, and then we have the separation, and that's when the grief comes. It's physical separation, and it's very hard in the beginning. But when you hear these reminders, it's so beautiful because they are saying they did not die, and, and you know, and you and I, you and I both believe that very much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and you know, not maybe not everybody does, but it is very, very comforting because you know, we've had loved ones. I mean, I know you lost your sister in law, and we all know we're gonna continue to lose people and we're gonna die. Yeah. Yes. If <laughs> somebody's going to be weeping for us, right? <laughs> true. So true. Yeah. But it is it is beautiful. It's 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 hard to not cry when you read that poem
0: i heard before i'm not sure if you said that two years ago when we talked robin that grief is love with nowhere to go i have heard that from somebody Hmm. and then something else that yeah that i thought about was i mean we are love Mm -hmm. the love that we speak of it seems to me this one that has no place to go is the love that you speak of about connects the physicality yeah, this is the realm of love, really, because we are love in essence. Yes. Yeah. What an interesting kind of idea to explore to contemplate.
2: Love. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's that's one of the things too. I the belief I, I talk about it. I think in one of my I created an online course called Grief: A New Way of Thinking, and so one of the things that helped me. After Steve died was the my belief about love, so I was thinking, well, what do I believe about love? Well, do I believe it's eternal? Well, we say it is, but now do I really believe that? And if I say yes, then then I would get comfort out of knowing that the love is never going to die between Steve and I. It's just the physicality is gone. so so uh, understanding our beliefs and really thinking about them help. And another thing I, I quoted somewhere, it was a quote by a German philosopher. His name is Gottfried Leibniz. And he says, to love is to delight in another person's happiness.
0: Mm,
2: and, yeah. and it was amazing because then the revelation came to me okay, love is eternal, my husband just died, but we still have this love, well, he will delight in my happiness mm-hmm. because he loves me.
0: Yes.
2: And thought, wow, what a spin. <laughs> what a spin on that, right? Yes. If yeah. someone feels <laughs> they can't be happy, think about it that way. If you're stuck in a belief that you can't be happy after your loved one died, think about that, right? That's what I like to do. I like to help people. Think or examine in a new way of thinking. That's my course. It's called Grief, A New Way of Thinking. Think about things differently. Think about things that are going to, you know, help you, help you, move you along, challenge your beliefs. Because we get those beliefs so ingrained in us and we're almost so myopic, we're afraid to think outside of them. Yeah, right. so, so, So begin to be open because once you open up, that's when things will change for you. So true.
0: I love the way you said that. That word, yeah, I use that word a lot. Open, being open to life, right? Because that opens the door to everything else. I love your work, Robin. What a gift. Thank you so much for being you.
2: Oh, Thank you, Valeria.
0: We're almost at the end, but I want to mention Chapter 6, You Need Someone. That one, uh, you have there a um, No Rewrite by Robin Shodak. And that's um, a story that you write. Um, I mean, you just expressing your own emotions in a very deep way, in a very mm-hmm. genuine way after your Steve yes, left of the body. Yeah, you, you talked in the end about it. that's just a way to show how feelings, just to let fe- feelings be, because that's part of the process of grief, or actually the processing. Uh, grief, which is very, very important and not to get in a place of being stuck with them, with those feelings, which goes back to stuck beliefs. It seems to me like they become stuck beliefs, stuck feelings, or even something even more powerful in a destructive way. So, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Chapter six, you need someone.
2: Yes, yes. Well, I, I do believe that when you have you know, especially with uh, you know, a traumatic or a complicated grief, you do need someone to help you through. And you know, there's so many types of griefs. I don't know if I wrote that in the book, but there's we actually have in the mental health community 17 different types of grief defined. 17, and yeah, and 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 so you know, we have a we have a thing called normal grief. Okay, normal grief is when you you know you go through the the stages and you move through them you go through the five stages the kubler-ross stages you know anger depression acceptance all those right and the problem is when you have the the complicated traumatic those types of grief that is when it's really important to to seek help because if you don't, if you don't have the tools, that is when you could get into a stuck stage. Okay? And, and you don't really, you, know, you don't want that. You want to be able to move. I mean, grief is very, very normal. And, and I always say, you know, it doesn't, the pain doesn't ever really go away. What you do is you learn to integrate it in your life. And it, it helps you become who you are and, and, and whole again, in a sense. And so you, you, you do that and then, you know, you allow it to teach you, but you want to be able to, to process it and move through it. So I really am a big advocate of seeing a coach like myself or a psychotherapist or someone, or someone you can trust because you shouldn't have to do it alone. You know, it's, it's, it's just, somebody wants to help, you know, yeah. I want help. Okay. That's why I write the book. <laughs> yes. I do want to help people. That's why you do your podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, there's people yes. that want to help and we shouldn't do, we don't need, we don't need to do it alone. Is not, not shouldn't, we don't need to do it alone. And so I'm a big advocate and, and it's the same with golf. You know, we get I'm like, Oh, I can do this alone. I mean, Oh, you know, and then I'm out there forever and ever. And I'm, I'm can't hit the balls. Correct frustrated. And, you know, it's, it's this cycle. <laughs>
0: Back to that essence again of interconnectedness and being touched touch with that. So we know as a fact that we are not alone. We are connected to everything and everyone. So why not join that dance? <laughs> yes, in every way, in the sense of the physicality, right? Getting closer to others. I love that. It's one of my favorite things in the human body is to feel connected, I'm already connected, of course, in that deeper sense. But feeling connected, physically and emotionally, psychologically, with others, it's just it's a such a
2: wonderful experience. Feeling it's truly wonderful. Yeah, and that goes back to what I said earlier. That is, you're you're actually. You are using all the gifts that you have been given, and that's that's one of them. That feeling I think that is so important. I think we, you know, think about like if you hug someone, does it mm. really feel like a hug? Yeah, <laughs> oh, you know, like, yes. Like I have a friend, <laughs> yeah. hug, it's like wow, I feel energy, it's the most beautiful hug. So, you're really experiencing that sense, right? That feel sense, it's beautiful, but too many times we just are, we're just ignoring these beautiful gifts that we have.
0: So true. You mentioned that in the book under the, I have it here actually caught my attention, practical steps that can boost happy brain chemicals. So yeah. you list lots of them and, and you do talk about hugs. Yeah. You just did now too. That's, so cute in a sense, but it's so true. Yeah. yeah, You put a smile on my face when I read that. So many other notes I have. Let's see, anything else? Chapter eight, you also talk, uh, you are improving. That's the title. And then there you mentioned um, personal and social competence and you define what it means. So that was interesting to see too. It's all in your head. That made me laugh when I saw that because I think my husband says that a lot. It's all in your head when you. I'm having something, an issue or something, but then it's not all in his head when he's having some issues. So that's interesting to see. <laughs> so we're almost at the end. I do have a, the ending questions for you, Robin. But before that, would you like to add anything else or read a passage, another passage in your book or add anything that we left unsaid for
2: now? Mm. Um, let me think. Well, I, would, I just opened to this page, so I think I'll just read this. This is a lesson. Acknowledge you are improving, but don't become complacent. Keep striving to become better. Be the best you can be in all that you do.
0: I remember that too, right? Because sometimes we tend to... And I tend to be okay with that a lot of times, just to relax and pause, <laughs> keep trying, trying, trying to strive to be better. But it is something that gives us meaning, isn't it? In purpose. I noticed that.
2: Yes. Well, especially if you have goals, like if you yeah. want, you know, directed towards someone that's, you know, they're, they're wanting, they want to become a better golfer or become better at something. So if, 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 if this is your goal and you want, you want to be moving forward in grief, then yes, you know, acknowledge, you know, pat yourself on the back. You've made some improvements and, and, you know, keep going because as soon as you become empla- complacent, you may become halted and yeah. stuck again. And, you know, it's yeah. okay for a period of time, yeah. and that's when you have to go back and be that thought detective again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> I love that that, that idea, <laughs> detecting, which it, to me translates into self-awareness. That's yes. very much that work, isn't it? Of self-awareness. Yes, it
2: absolutely is.
0: Yes. It has been wonderful again, Robin, to have this conversation with you. I love the way you, you just flow with whatever is here. We kind of, I know I had prepared for this interview and I had so many uh, comments here and so many notes, but I love how the questions came to me kind of naturally and you just went with them too. That means a lot to me in a sense of being open. So I really appreciate you being not just the, the messenger, but the message itself. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Valeria.
0: What three experiences you wish everyone
2: to have before they lose the body, before they die? Okay. Well, definitely. I well, it's always love. That's that's a brainer. <laughs> well, I think we, like I said earlier, we do as love, but the problem is we move away from it and we get. So I think one of the greatest joys is the ability to to give love and receive love. Number one. Number two, I would, I would love for everybody just to live or do something spontaneously Mm. in life. Because too many times we are so stuck in, you know, habitual routines. And, and, And then, you know, we might get an invitation to something or or, or, and, and we just, we, we decline and we might have missed the best opportunity of our life. So I would say, you know, just don't, don't limit yourself and just be a little more free spirit and be spontaneous. You know? mm. And then the other thing I would say, just because I've done this myself and it's been such an, and an amazing eye opening experience is, and I feel so blessed to do it and I'm going to continue to do it. And that is to to, to travel and to visit other cultures and and to see how other people live and think because we're so, you know, we're so used to our own our own place and our own people. And we become, you know, a kind of set in our ways and myopic. But when you can see the differences in culture and world is such an eye opening experience. So if you have the opportunity ever to do that, I would highly recommend it.
0: Because we see nature even how diverse it is, right Robin? With the human race is the same thing. We are very yeah. diverse. Yeah. I love your wisdom. Thank you so much again. It's so interconnected. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, your courses and future projects, Robin?
2: Yes, I think the easiest way is just to go to uh, www.robinchodak.com. That's all one word. You can also find my, I do have three online courses that teach about grief. That's on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. And then all of my books, I have the four books. They're on Amazon. So if you go Amazon, look up my name, you'll find my books there.
0: Wonderful. I'll have the link for your latest book and also your website on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again for your presence in our reality and for being open to life. Thank you for everything.
2: Oh, thank you. It has been, again, once again, a pleasure to to just connect with you and speak with you. And I thank you for what you're doing as well.
0: Take good care of your beautiful self, Robin. We'll be in touch.
1: bye Thank you for listening. To learn more about Robin Chodak and her work, please visit robinchodak.com. To
0: learn more about this podcast please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.